Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. A happy new year, of course, to everybody. Hope you had a great uh, 2016, a closed 2016, and excited for 2017. And I hope you made a golf resolution. I, of course, made the same golf resolution I make every single year. That is to win the Masters and rise to number one in the world. It hasn't happened for 32 years. I'm thinking year 33. It may happen. Just got to get in. I just got to get the invite. That's really all I need. But uh, really, my main goal every year is to try to make a hole-in-one. Of course, I famously have never made a hole-in-one. I probably never will make a hole-in-one. Nobody in my family has ever made a hole-in-one. But uh, that would be fun. I have something fun for people out there if I ever do that, uh, followers of the podcast and of social media and all that. But uh, a fun podcast today, Bryson DeChambeau on the pod. Talked to him late last week. Um, got some great insight to his 2017, what he plans to do this year, his goals. Talked a lot about his approach to the game and uh, a lot of his quirky stuff he does, frankly. I mean, he does a lot of things different, but he does those things differently because he thinks it's the it's the best chance for him to go low and shoot a score. So a uh, very interesting conversation. Very happy to have Bryson on the podcast. Speaking of the clubhouse and the podcast, a reminder, we have a clubhouse newsletter. It's going to roll out two times a week. Throughout the golf season, there'll be one hitting you on Wednesday morning, preparing you for the PGA Tour season that is about to start. It's going to have links to stories, uh, fun videos. It'll have odds for the top 20 players in the field, uh, and of course, a link to to other odds if you wanted to go see those, and much, much more. So make sure you sign up for that. You just got to jump on my Twitter page, at Shane Bacon. The link is right there. Click it, sign up, thank me later. I hope you guys have a great week. We're going to have another podcast on Thursday previewing, not just this week, but a lot of our preview picks and predictions. I'm going to have Kyle Porter from CBS on. But right now, Bryson DeChambeau on the Clubhouse. And we now welcome into the Clubhouse somebody I've been really excited to have on, Bryson DeChambeau. Of course, a historic amateur career. Uh, had a fun, fine run at the Masters this year. And of course, since turning pro, won a Web.com event this year at the DAP Championship in September. Got a chance to tee it up with Lexi Thompson recently at the Franklin Templeton Shootout. Bryson, I appreciate you taking some time with us here at the clubhouse. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate being on. Yeah, and uh, and I ask everybody that plays golf this question to get it going. And, and just so people know, it's right around 6.30, 5.30 your time, Bryson. What have you had to eat today? Oh, man. Uh, well, I had a, let's see, a sausage, egg, and cheddar little thing from Starbucks this morning, then um, yeah, I had some uh, tri-tip for lunch, and then uh, <laughs> had a couple of protein bar stuff, and we're right here, about to eat some dinner, so not, uh, not too short for dinner. Well, you know, you had a great time uh, with Lexi in Naples. We were down there covering that event, uh, a fun event. What have you been doing? That, that was early December. What have you been doing since then as you prep for 2017? Yeah, I'm a I'm a grinder. I pretty much practice as hard as I can for as long as I can every single day. You know, I don't take very many days off. I was out Christmas Eve practicing. That's what I love to do. It's uh, it's not only my job, but it's something I enjoy doing. Uh, I trained myself to do it for uh, ever since I was growing up and through my teenage years. I always wanted to go out the golf course and uh, always push myself. Well, what do you do away? I mean, have you gone and saw Rogue One? I mean, is there stuff you do outside of the game that, that keeps you interested? <laughs> No, so the new, newest thing that I'm doing is actually working out. That's also enjoyable for me, seeing, uh, seeing my body functions improve. So that's enjoyable to me. <laughs> what, do, what, have you, what are you doing? What, what are you doing workout-wise? Uh, uh, doing some uh, pretty uh, intense uh, personal training stuff. Uh, that's 
not really going to get too many secrets out. I don't like doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's cool your style. I understand. I understand. <laughs> you may you may see a different uh, uh, Bryson come this year. <laughs> not, don't arm wrestle you is what you're saying. Well, I mentioned your amateur <laughs> success to start. I mean, of course, the web win. Uh, played really well at Harbortown. Uh, had that run at Augusta. I just wanted to get your grade uh, for your first, say, I guess, what, eight, nine months of playing professional golf. What would you grade 2016? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great year. I won on, uh, won on tour or the web.com tour, which is fantastic. I would have loved to win on the PGA tour, but that's going to come shortly. Uh, so I would have graded it an A. You know, I finished low M at the Masters, NCAA champ, well, uh, the previous year. But still, for my, my rookie year, playing the matches, playing at Arnold Palmer and doing pretty well there, I, I graded an A. I did a pretty good job. And, and I've always wondered this, you know, because I, I didn't make it professionally. My, my professional career was very, very short. Uh, and I did not make very much money, just so you wanted to know. Um, but, you know, you, you were 22 at the time. You just played Augusta. You get into the RBC. And you finish tie for fourth. You have this great run. I mean, you're in the booth with, with Jim Nance and, and Faldo talking about your week. And on Monday morning... You get a direct deposit for, for six figures after being an amateur the week before. How many times did you refresh yeah. your bank account app on your phone looking at that, knowing it's real? Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, my wealth advisors didn't give me the password or the code to, to that account. <laughs> so I really didn't get to check it very many times. But uh, it's a good thing that that happened, too, because that wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been good any other way. Uh, so they're protecting me and, and doing the right things with the money. Yeah, and, and you made news, of course, and I don't want to talk as much about your, uh, you know, Franklin Templeton putting. You, of course, brought Side Saddle out. You got asked a lot about it. We asked you a lot about Based it on. at Based Fox. On. Yeah, no, listen, not, I, that's not, not that's not the focus. Um, <laughs> what I did want to ask you is when you bring in these types of things, you know, I mean, you mess around with a lot of different stuff. You've got a lot of parts of your golf yeah. game that I think people would maybe say uh, is very different than maybe your average professional golfer. How much... Yeah. Um, noise on the outside, do you weigh before you bring something in, or is that not really a factor at all? Well, I let the results speak for themselves, and I try and mainly focus on the scientific data behind it that we produce. And uh, from the data that we produce with the testing conventional putter compared to based on uh, putting, I saw a half-degree dispersion difference, uh, or, or, or a veterans, uh, if you want to say that, in the data, it went from like unconventional putting 0.4 degrees closed to 0.1 degrees open or something like that. Uh, or no, no, 0.4 degrees open to uh, 0.5 degrees less on, on, on both sides. So meaning it was 0.2 and then uh, 0.1 degrees open. So that's 0.5 degree dispersion increase um, there on, on the face control. So all that means is that it was better face control. And when we saw that, I said, why, why am I not using this? If it's already showing in data here, it's got to produce better results on the golf course under pressure. You know, but the difference is, is that we didn't have any results from competition. We had to test it at some point in time. You know, and this has not been a short journey for me. It wasn't a short journey for me in producing the, the, the one-length irons either. You know, this is thoughtful, uh, dedicated, deliberate work that we're doing and making sure this is the right process to go through. We test and do a lot of things. Like I said, I don't sleep because of this stuff. I love working on this stuff. I love trying to make it uh, a lot more enjoyable for the game, for people out there. I really want to do that. Uh, and, and as I look back on it, this was a long, hard thought discussion with my coach of, is this actually better? You know, and there were times where I doubted it. There were times where I fully believed it. 
now, I fully believe it from the data, from the performance aspect of it. Because it's one thing to say, look, it's way better on face control in, in a controlled environment. But then you got wind out there, you got different factors, a lot going on out there. But it was nice to see some results. And, and actually, with only about a week of practicing that style, where I knew it was a better face control, we tested and said, okay, this is a go. Uh, with only a week of practice, I was able to perform uh, like a tour, touring player, possibly better on the strokes gain perspective of it from putting than I've ever had on, on tour. So that was this huge positive uh, uh, look to uh, what we're trying to do for the future of the game, I think, uh, personally. You know, this could be potentially bigger than one leg. We have no idea. But what I do know as of right now is that it's working for me and I want to putt better. Um, you know, it's, it's, no, it's no personal thing where I want to gain attention from it. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make more puttings, and I believe this is a better way to do it. Right. I mean, you know, people would putt between their legs if, 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 it, if it helped them on the strokes gained. I mean, you know, that's something golfers have always done. I just think, you know, with, right. with some of the stuff you, you've brought in as a 23-year-old, you know, people have, have as you, you said it, I mean, people have sometimes said, you know, is this gimmicky? Is this whatever? And I mean, you crunch numbers yeah. all the time looking at the math to try to make right. golf as, as easy as possible, correct? Absolutely. As efficient as possible, as I like to say. You know, the scientists are all about efficiency, making sure that they're uh, figuring out in the right way. They, they create hypotheses, hypotheses and then they go and, and do research on it and they come to conclusions. And that's what we do. That's what I've done my whole life. Uh, that's the easiest way to go about figuring something out. And, and we figured out that it, it is a little bit better of a way to putt. Um, and, and I think as we go down the road, well, first off, let's think about it from a hypothetical sense. What do pool players do? They look face on to their target. They stroke it down the line, right? They, they make a motion that's in front of them, not to the side. If you tried to putt, uh, if you tried to play pool like you putted, it wouldn't really work out so well because it's a precision, precision sport. And the same thing with putting. This putting, the aspect of this game, uh, this game of golf, is all about precision in putting. Right? And so it's the same thing as pool. So why wouldn't we try and do the same exact thing? It's easier to read a putt from that, that perspective. It, that's the way we rebut. But it's also easier to see how the ball is traveling across the surface. So you can ingrain what you've been seeing and be, and you're able to read putts better because of it. Um, that's only one aspect. Then you're keeping the face square of the plane. I mean, there's, there's a multitude of things of why I believe it's going to be the future of the game. Um, now it's just, uh, making sure that we're building the putters within the parameters of the USGA. We want to respect that. We want to absolutely go through the process and make sure that all is good there. Uh, we don't want any headaches there. We want to make sure that, that they're okay with it and, and that we are, are uh, protecting the game as well. You know, what it brings to mind to me, and I actually, uh, for people out there that listen to this podcast, I actually do do homework at times. Uh, I was I re-listened to this Malcolm Gladwell podcast, his Revisionist History podcast, and it was about Wilt Chamberlain and Rick Barry and, um, I mean, for lack of a better term, the, the granny free throw shot. And, you know, Rick Barry talked about working with Shaquille O'Neal, and Shaq said, you know, this makes me feel silly. You know, I mean, shooting 40% in your career free throw is also fairly silly. It's just funny that it's almost, you know, this machoism takes over sometimes for athletes, and instead of being efficient, they, they, go, they go with the route that everybody else goes. And it's a little bit of pride, and it's been tough for me. The one-length irons prepared me 
for based on putting. I can tell you that. I would not be able to handle the criticism and the naysaying if it wasn't for the one length. Because it wasn't very, it wasn't dramatically different. It didn't look crazy in my bag. You know, when I was setting up, it didn't look that different. But this is a completely different style of, of putting, and it looks completely different at least. And so the criticism I know is going to be even heavier when I go to Sony, when I go to and play for the rest of, of my life this way. Uh, but I know that the one-length irons have prepared me for this moment in time. For whatever reason, it's, a, it's definitely a godsend for, for uh, him to say, hey, look, I'm preparing you for, for the rest of your life in doing this, you know? Because I think that this potentially could be, uh, again, bigger than one length. You, you never know. But at this point in time, uh, I'm, I'm trying to perform at my absolute best within the rules and do my absolute best to, to win tournaments out there. You you mentioned criticism. Do do you read stuff? I mean, do you, do you look at replies on Twitter? Do do you pay attention to that kind of stuff? Absolutely, absolutely. But it does not affect me. I love hearing what people say because I want to have arguments, not arguments. I want to have um, uh, things to say back to them uh, as a counter argument to them. You know, they're going to naysay and say, "Well, this, this, and this, and this." So I want to be prepared so that when I get out out on on tour, when the media comes around, when everybody's talking about it. I want to be prepared as, as much as possible so that I can say the right things at the right time, not be blindsided by an idea or a thought. Well, Bubba Watson, Bubba Watson once said, and I think it's kind of the way he's always lived golf, he said, uh, if I have a swing, I have a shot. Do you have a certain mantra that you feel like you live by in golf? I mean, you did say something about you know efficiency and, and, and trying to be the most efficient golfer possible. Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. One, one of them is, is mechanics produce, feel reproduces. Or, or proprioception, as I like to say, uh, reproduces. So e- either or feel and proprioception are going to say, that's, that's one of them. Uh, let today's garbage be better than yesterday's. Uh, <laughs> I like that I mean, one. <laughs> I, can go on, I, I can go on and on with these, these different little things. Um, you know, but I think that the biggest thing is that don't be afraid to try new things. That's exactly what the forefathers of our country did. Thomas Edison, Isaac Newton, and all these great scientific philosophers have done in their life. They've pushed the envelope. They've done things to make our world better. We would not be at, be here without Thomas Edison. So these are the guys that were leaders, that were not afraid to fail. And and I think, as a, just a short little note, is don't be afraid to fail. That's the, possibly the greatest learning experience that you can get, is to, is to learn how to be okay with failing. Well, you learn the most from failures. Yeah, and, and you, you've done you've done one length. I mean, you, your golf swing, I would say, is extremely efficient, but definitely different as well. Now you, you've messed around a little yeah. bit with side saddle. Is there, I know, and again, I know you don't like to reveal stuff, which I totally understand, but is there other things that could come down the hopper at times that would look a little bit different? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there, there may be a potential for that. We've kind of gone through the whole bag now, but uh, there's one, one last aspect that I'm willing to, to try and go for. Uh, and and it, it has to do with uh, some of the the longer clubs, if you know what I mean. So that's gonna, a long you're, road. Are you, is, does this mean you're going to have like twelve head covers in your golf bag? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just talking about the the, the driver and the freeway. That's always been an in, interest of mine. Is trying to somehow figure out a way to get those to the same length as well. Because why not have one swing for every single shot? If you but figure that's out a long conversation. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you figure out how to be more effective with a driver, will you text me? Because that has uh, always been kind yeah. of my Achilles heel. I'd really like that. You can, I won't tell anybody. I'll, I won't scoop you, I promise. No, I, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's more practice. <laughs> That's right. Le- less of this and more out on the range. Uh, you know, there, there was, I think there yeah. was, I, I think Davis Love comes to mind, but there was somebody I remember hearing one time um, said he was a better chipper one-handed, but he, he would not come out and do it in competition because, as you mentioned, he was a bit afraid of what it looked like. So, I, I do think that's a right. smart way of going about it, especially you know as young as you are, and, and obviously with a ton of talent. And and I don't want to bring up a, a negative that that happened to you in the last year, but I did want to talk a little bit about the Masters. You were playing excellent golf for 35 holes. You made a, a, a I would say a poor swing. I mean, if, as long as you don't mind me saying it was yeah. a bit of a poor swing on 18. Do, do you hey, feel it? Do, it is what it is. Yeah. Do Do you feel like that was yeah. a little nerves? Was it just a, just a, a bad swing at, at the wrong time? And and have you learned a little bit from that experience? Absolutely. I think that it was a fantastic learning experience for, for myself. And, and like I said back then, I'm learning at every, every single moment. Uh, that, that's what I was trying to do. And unfortunately, I made a bad swing. Uh, potentially could have been caused by a little bit of nerves as I was right, right there next to the lead to 35 holes of the Masters. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it, look, that hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> so it was definitely a moment that, that I tried to be as prepared as possible uh, for, but unfortunately that's something that you really can't train for. And you just got to be through it and you got to somehow muster it up to be able to do it. And I unfortunately did it, but I, but I learned a lot. I learned that I can play with the best. I can perform with the best. And, and I know that I can be the best if I work hard enough. You know, I've, I've definitely seen that light, especially going and finishing 15th in the U.S. Open qualifying for the U.S. re-qualifying for the U.S. Open, and then and then playing as well as I did. You know, I definitely learned from that as well there. It's just a, uh, I reconfirmed uh, the statement that I can be the best or I, I can win a major. I can do those things. Um, you know, my body does allow me to do it. But unfortunately, it is what it is. I made a bad swing and, and pulled a little left and caught the holly bushes on, on 18, which is funny enough, named – Holly, <laughs> uh, there at Augusta. So, you know, it was it was just it's just the way it happened, and, and uh, it, it was a fun time. I can tell you that uh, there was no better experience in the world than, than being on the first tee and hitting that first tee shot right down the middle and looking at my parents after I did it. And it was it was a it was a cool moment and uh, experience I'll never forget. Was that the most nervous you've ever been in golf? I would say, yeah, I try and I try and take nerves out of it, to be honest with you. I, I try and not have nerves. Nerves are only, per, personally, I think nerves are a hindrance for your performance. Because uh, when you're in the zone, and I've been, I've been in it a couple times, you really aren't nervous. It's more of just uh, executing and, and, and doing the job at hand. You don't have time to feel nerves. It's just an, abs- it's, it's an absolute focus on completing the task at hand. And so I try and get in that state more often than not. You know, I, I think that there's different people that would say the nerves help them get into a state, into that state of mind. I don't know how that really works, but when I perform my best, I just know that I'm going to do something. It's not that I'm nervous and I somehow get into the zone. It's more of I just focus on executing the shot at a really high level. My brain functions at a really high level, and that's what allows me to say, look, there's nothing else that's going to happen except this shot. And it's going to happen. I'm going to make the shot. I'm going to hit the shot. Make this putt. Do whatever it is. And that's, that's what the zone is to me. And, and funny enough, that's, that's 
if I can get into that state on Thursday all the way through through Sunday, it's, you know, it's watch out. But I haven't been able to do that once, um, <laughs> and I'm training myself to, to be able to do that. That's a long story, though. I don't. I don't know if there's been a ton of people that have been able to stay in it from Thursday to to, to Sunday evening. I, I, you know, I think about Stinson at Troon, or think about Tiger at uh, Pebble. But you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a it, it's a it's a it's a high you know uh, thing to think about it when you when you when you put yourself out there in yeah. that position. When, when you you know, speaking of somebody that was in the zone at least for I don't know what sixty holes. I mean, Jordan Spieth, you played with him for two days. When you play with these yeah. guys, granted, I mean, y'all are about the same age, if not the same age. Do do you do you yeah. take notes from him? Do you do you look at him and and see him a guy that's already been on the tour for a few years, or are you just kind of your own your own specimen? Yeah. So originally, you know, when I just got out there and I was uh, playing my first couple of events, yeah, I definitely looked around and, and saw what people were doing and how they were acting, how they were responding, and what they were doing, and everything like that. Uh, but over time playing with Jordan, it was like, I just wanted to beat him. <laughs> right, honestly, I wanted to, to play better than him. I wanted to execute every shot better than him and make make more putts than him, although I didn't uh, at the Masters. But that's honestly what I wanted to do, and it just became another competitor. It's funny. It's just like being back in junior days, playing against another guy and trying to beat him, beat the, beat the guy that was the best on the tour at that time, in the junior tour at that time. And that's honestly all it becomes. It's just a different level of it, obviously. Right. I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it, at the end of the day, it's. I mean, as I've always said about golf, at the end of the day, it's it's hitting golf shots. If it's at Augusta National or the local Muni, right. if you shoot sixty five and they shoot sixty six, it doesn't matter who's who you're playing against. Yeah. And I think another little cool catchphrase is, is that what what is golf? It's repetition. That's all golf is. It's being able to reproduce your motion. And, and that's honestly. All golf is. If you can reproduce your motion, that's it. That's the game of golf. I'm telling you right there. Well, you if, know, if I was gonna, so yeah. <laughs> if that I was gonna ask you to, if I was gonna ask you to name a golf course that you think defines every major championship, so you know you could you could name Oak, of course Oakmont for the U.S. Open, but a golf course that you feel like defines the elements of all the majors. I know you're a, a big golf historian. Which golf courses come to mind when you think of the other three, of course, outside of Augusta and the Masters? Yeah, that's a tough question because each has its own unique features, right? Uh, but one course that I would say, boy, that's uh, that's not an easy one. I can tell you that because <laughs> Augusta is Augusta, right? And right. then you got U.S. Open, which is really, 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 really hard. <laughs> and then you got the British Open, which is links, and the PGA, um, which is which is on a very, very difficult golf course every year. It's on on more of an American golf course. Uh, you know, that's a tough question. I would say personally, uh, Shinnecock has to be one that defines, defines it all. I would say I've never played there, but from what, I, what I've seen, uh, you know, you got greens that are ridiculously fast, like, like Augusta. It's more of a windy golf course. It's more of a British open kind of style looking, but you got tight fairways as well with, with some, some longer rough. Yeah, so that's, that's one that I would say, is pretty, I would actually say, honestly, just thought about it. It is uh, Aaron Hills. Nice. Aaron Hills next year is going is going to be the epitome of every major championship. I think personally. Have you got a chance to play it? You know, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I won there in college. Oh, okay. There you go. See, that's why I said I don't do and my homework. I played the, yeah. Then I think you're good. And then I played uh, played the U.S. Amateur there back in 2012. No, no, 2011. I think. Yeah, 2011. 
And, uh, it, made it around a 32. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I got a chance to play 36 there uh, in September, and it's very different, I think, than even what you see in the pictures and what you expect. It's really long. I mean, it's brutally long from the back. Yeah. I played it at 8,100 one day, and uh, and I, I, I nearly had to get carried in by the end of the round. But, you know, it's it's just a very, you know, with wind, it's British open Without wind, it can be, you know, feel like a PGA Championship. If you combine a couple of the elements and it's dried out, it'll really, really feel like a U.S. Open. I think... Uh, I think I think people are really going to like it. I mean, I I I know you like you said you played it a few times. I'm sure you probably agree. I know I will. <laughs> All right, I, I got definitely. some I got some quick hitters for you. You can't name yourself, <laughs> but I was interested. Okay. Who do you think is the smartest player out on the PGA Tour? Uh, I would say uh, Henrik Stenson, by far. Henrik, well, and Jason Day. Those two are right there. Interesting. Favorite golf course in the world? A Cypress Point. There's no question. If you weren't a professional golfer, you'd be? Ping pong player. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd be a uh, – I'd probably uh, – I wasn't a professional. Can I say I, I could work in the game of golf? I mean, That's sure. Okay. You, you can take the cop-out so, answer so, and say something golfy. That's fine. Okay. 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 So I'd be a biomechanist in, in the game of golf. I'd be doing research and figuring out the most efficient functional swing point. Okay, your guilty so. pleasure. You've mentioned you're a golf nut, and now you're working out. You got to have a guilty pleasure in there. Uh, cho- chocolate. This <laughs> is bad, man. It is bad. <laughs> I love a cheese candy Bordeaux bar. It's a California thing. Cheese candy. It's awesome. What song do you think has the most plays ever on your cell phone? Oh, for sure. Uh, Coldplay. Don't let it break your heart. Nice. You know love the answer. I'm really impressed right now. I, I was trying to think when you were answering if I had an answer. I think mine would be the general by dispatch. But, uh, yeah, there you go. You shoot it out. I guess it pops up in your head. Okay, and I ask people this, the last question. I'm going to ask you this last question, then I'm going to ask you one more question about 17, but I wanted to ask this in the quick hitter. Who's the most famous person you've ever asked for their autograph? Oh, well, uh, I've asked their autograph. I mean, I've gotten a lot of signatures, um, yeah, one in a, a raffle. Yeah, or as a kid, I mean, if you were a kid and you went to a golf tournament, you know, you asked Tiger or, you know, Jack or somebody like that. Oh, oh, shoot. I'm not even thinking. Arnold Palmer, by far. By far. How, how old were you? Oh, literally this past year. I just oh, okay. met him uh, <laughs> last, you know, last year. Well, the Walker Cup, actually, so a year and a half ago. But that was by far the coolest moment for me, is being able to walk up to him and ask for his autograph. And he signed it on, well, at the Arnold Palmer, he actually signed it on uh, my yardage book and so that's kept away in lock and safe so that, that was pretty cool for the last time that he was ever at well I, w- I wanted to ask you just i i know you you've won you know a professional event now on the web of course you had an incredible amateur career i mean you know you're in this you know list of of ryan moore and jack nicholas and tiger woods and phil mickelson and such um you've you've got your kind of run through the pros in 16 now it's 2017 and i was just going to ask what is a successful year in 2017? And if you have goals, what are those goals for the whole rest of the 12 months? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty lofty. Um, I try not to set too many goals. I have an idea of what I want to do. Um, you, you know, I definitely want to win on tour, but I also want to win a major. I know my game is good enough. And if I can get back into the majors, which I believe I can here pretty quickly, uh, I think I can do, do that. I think I can play pretty well in, in a couple of them. <laughs> And in, in, in yeah. how how many pro golfers have come up to you, even just at the Franklin Templeton, and, and attempted to roll a putt side saddle? 
face on. You got to start saying so, face sorry, on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Face on. That's my bad. I'm not saying side saddle anymore. You're good. It's all good. So side saddle is more like you're looking from the side and you're putting from the side. Face on is where you're facing over the line. Um, just to kind of a, a, a define it a little bit. Uh, but ask me the question, guys. Totally blank. No, no, no. How, just many, was, how, many, how many guys? Came, did any guys come up to you and try to do it? Yeah. Well, it was it was funny. Justin Thomas. The first time I pulled it out, he says, "How do you hit a forty footer, dude? How do you do that?" <laughs> and I knocked the ball over and boom, knocked it right up to you know foot and he goes oh i guess again <laughs> to walk away so that was a funny little story but i think pretty much uh there was at least five or six guys that came up and tried it just for messing around with it kuchar was trying it a little bit it was fun watching him he got the hang of it really quickly yeah, and it was he, fun pretty he's, well he's so he's so. so good at all that stuff i mean he's just he's one of those hand-eye coordinated gifted guys you know his hands have been trained pretty darn well. So he's, he's a great player and a great person too. I love love talking to him. Yeah, he's a he's a great dude. Great. He, he came in and chatted with us like y'all did at the Franklin Timberland. You guys are all great. It's a fun event, Bryson. I really appreciate it. Uh, good luck in 2017. I'm sure I'll see you out there, and I'm excited. I, I'm excited for the for the year and um, for you to bring out some of this stuff that's going to bring the conversation around in golf. I think it's uh, I think it's good for the game. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor being on the show, and uh, thanks for all you do. Well, that'll do it for this Clubhouse podcast. Many thanks to Bryson for coming on. A very interesting kid. A bright future. I'm excited to see what happens with him. Many thanks to you all for listening and subscribing. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter and, and write a review about the Clubhouse podcast if you haven't done that already. It helps out a lot. Jump on iTunes. Just write a quick review. Uh, and thanks. We will see you on Thursday with a new podcast with Kyle Porter. <laughs>